Hi, I'm Caleb. This is my mommy's podcast. If you like it, would you please share it, subscribe, and give her a review? I know she'll be very grateful. Thanks, and have an awesome, great, awesome, great, awesome day. Welcome to The Faint Wick. I'm Melissa Strickland. The little fire of idea for this episode was sparked by my birthday, which happened a few weeks ago. Now, I'm not going to tell you how old I am now, but I will say that the next one is a big one, which means that I have officially started the year of the big one. And of course, because I'm completely neurotic, with a multitude of mental and emotional issues, my first few days of this big year have been spent overanalyzing where I am in life, where I want to be in life, where I wish I already was in life, and how Am I ever going to get from where I am to where I want to be because I'm not where I wish I was? You know what I mean? And then I start leapfrogging way into the future and the fear starts pinching. I'm not getting any younger. Robinson's multiple sclerosis isn't getting any better. What is life going to look like in 10 years, 20 years, etc.? Well, let me tell you, dwelling on the wish I was's and where will I be's is exhausting. And looking into an unknown future as an old, feeble caregiver to a disabled spouse is one of the purest forms of anxiety I know. That's where I've been living lately, in this place of the unknown future. It's a land where the birds have no song. You know what I mean? Maybe you've visited that place a few times in your life, too. So I prayed, which is what we're supposed to do in these moments, right? But have you ever prayed and not gotten the easy answer you were hoping for? See, I prayed, God, I need you to tell me that I'm not going to be feeble and that Robinson's disability isn't going to get worse. I need you to reassure me, Lord, that the children aren't going to suffer through hardship and pain. And even if Robinson gets worse, even if the kids hit a rough patch, I will be smart enough and strong enough and fierce enough to handle it all. And make things right again. Oh yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. And then I sat there and waited. You know, 
I made room for God to speak. And he did. See, he got all up in my heart and he said, Guess what? On your own, you're not going to be smart enough or strong enough to handle any of the mess that is part of the future. Just like you've never been smart enough or strong enough to get through the messes of the past. Remember, I am the Lord, and I am the one who is fierce. Do you remember the part near the end of Job when God kind of bops him on the head, and there's that whole list of where were you wins? Well, that's that's kind of what it felt like. But then I also heard his little whisper in my heart that said, tenderly, It's not about who you are or what you are. It's about who I am and how much I have always loved you and where I have brought you from and where I will bring you to. My love flowing in you and through you, is what makes you fierce. And then I thought of that part of the book of Jonah, when he's stuck in the belly of the whale, you know, a place where the birds have no song. And Jonah says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And with my eyes still closed, I did remember. Now, I need to inject a disclaimer here for my mom and dad. I'm about to talk about a time in my life that caused you great heartache. You lived through the pain of it happening in real time, and I'm not sure you really want to hear about it again. I won't be offended if you turn this episode off now. Mom and Dad, you've been warned. You see, there was a time when I was a deeply wounded, terribly lost teenager, full of angst and rebellion, constantly looking for an escape from the world's rough places. So I ran away. I ran away to the loud music in my headphones that soothed and distracted, at least temporarily. I ran away to hours of daydreaming about the life I thought would make me happier. I ran away to a mind full of sadness and self-loathing. And eventually, I dropped out of high school and ran away from home. I dyed my hair jet black using Miss Clairol Black Velvet Hair Dry which is the same one Elvis used, and yes, I used it for that very reason, and yes, that's a discussion for a different day, or maybe never. I lived with these two giant punk rock guys, Pat and Mike, in a tiny apartment that was always filled with a steady stream of punk rock characters. It was also filled with drugs and alcohol. And yes, 
This is my official declaration that I will never run for government office because my opponent would have a heyday with the skeletons in this closet. I don't remember exactly how long we stayed in that little apartment, but my best guess is not very long. Because after the first month's rent and deposit, we never gave the landlord another cent. And so we were evicted, and I drifted on. And there were nights when there was no place to lay my head. So I did my best to fall asleep leaning on an ice machine under bright lights outside of a convenience store. The manager of the store was kind, and when someone would inevitably walk up to me with malice in their hearts, he would let me come inside to stay safe and recover for a little while. And then there was my best friend, the judge's daughter, who did everything she could to keep me fed and make sure I didn't race completely off of the edge of life into oblivion. How we loved Duran Duran. I still do. And Elvis, too. Eventually, my need to survive physically overtook what little desire I had left to survive emotionally. I figured out that if I could just link up with the right, wrong member of the opposite sex, I could get a roof over my head and some nourishment out of the deal. I also got some abuse out of it. And even when I got a real job and a real place of my own, there was still the abuse. But I was smart enough and strong enough to survive, I guess. And then one day, the judge's daughter, who had by that time moved to North Carolina, phoned to say, come visit me. Well, that seemed like another great escape at just the right time. So I did. And the first night of that visit, she set me up on a blind double date with her, her boyfriend, and her boyfriend's brother. And that brother was kind and gentle. We got takeout Chinese food and had a picnic in the park. And I remember his fortune cookie said, be most affectionate tonight. And I honestly thought I was going to die right on the spot. Well, after meeting this young man, I knew something had to change. So when my plane landed back in Florida, my boyfriend John picked me up from the airport and I broke up with him in the car on the way home. And that kind, gentle brother drove 10 hours to Florida the very next weekend to visit me. And he walked through the front door of my little gray cement block duplex apartment and asked if I had a guest room or if he would be sleeping on the couch. 
and I was gobsmacked. At that time in my life, the concept of that kind of respect was so foreign. But there it was. And he explained that this respect, along with his kindness, his gentleness, everything that made him good inside, came from Jesus. And in the months to follow, he continued to talk to me about what it means to ask Jesus to wash you clean and to trust him for all eternity. And I moved to North Carolina. I lived in Raleigh, and there was this really large, impressive Baptist church on a street corner that I passed every day. And I would look at it every day and wonder about it, but I never felt like I was good enough to walk inside of it. Then one day, an ordinary day, there was no trauma or triggering event or anything. I was just driving home, and I was broken in two as I was stopped at a red light. It was pouring rain outside, and just out of nowhere, I started sobbing. I stopped at that church, Hayes Barton Baptist Church, and I walked right in, and I went up to the first person I saw, and I said, I really think I need to talk to someone. There I was, with my jet black hair soaking wet, way too much black makeup running down my face, dripping all over their pristine white carpet, and out walked a man named Paul, who looked at me with the eyes of Jesus, and he prayed with me. That glorious prayer that changed my life forever. From that day on, Paul and his wife Ramona adopted me as their own. I got my GED, and Paul asked the church to help me with scholarship money to go to college. And after that prayer, I rushed home to call the kind, handsome brother to tell him what had just happened. And that wonderful man who had faithfully poured the love of Christ on me for months, Robinson Strickland, said, Thank God, because I really want to marry you someday. And of course we were married at Hayes Barton Baptist Church in a ceremony performed by Paul. I remember. I remember it all. When Robinson met me, I was swimming in the pit of not good enough self-loathing. When I walked into that church, I was dripping with not good enough. But God's love was fierce enough to keep pulling me into His good enough. And it isn't just good enough. 
It's perfect and precious and beloved. God's love was fierce enough to send His Son to die on the cross for my sins. And I've never had to be smart enough or strong enough or good enough on my own to be perfect and precious and beloved to Him. I just had to accept His beautiful gift. So, that is where He brought me from. I still have a long way to go, and I still need a lot of work. I'm getting older. My hips hurt more than they used to. My kids are going to struggle sometimes. And multiple sclerosis, well, it is multiple sclerosis. I'm sure you have your own list that defines your unknown future. But God tells us when we look at that list to remember, to remember what He's done, who He is, where He's brought us from, so that we can walk into that unknown future, one foot in front of the other, trusting Him until we finally step into eternity. Robinson and I chose to do Salt and Light by Lauren Daigle for this episode. You know, one of the great things about remembering God's goodness of the past is that it's a reminder of the good news we have to share with others who need the promises of the God whose love is fierce. So let's go out there and be salt and light to them. Have a blessed day. Thank you.
This is Melissa's daughter, Mona. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. Thanks a lot.